the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and... Um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We're so glad you're out there. And we're so happy every evening, every Sunday evening, to get the chance to uh, visit with you. The Bible 
talking about the scriptures, particularly, okay. specifically, the scriptures that we read this past week in our uh, Bible reading program. Now that's down low in it. I'm going to push that up a little higher. Okay. Get our, yeah, thank you very much, John. Trying to get our, okay, where is, uh, no, where is it? Right there, right? We are on the air. Thank you for joining us. And Whoa, we are, I, can't <laughs> I just kind of broke uh, Jacob's eardrums right there as we get started in the program tonight. Um, we have read through I the books of First uh, and Second Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter twelve, picking up there, and all the way through the book of Second Corinthians, that uh, other the second letter that was preserved for uh, our for posterity that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. I always find it interesting that he actually wrote four letters that are referenced in the two books of the Corinthians, but we have these two. And there's a great deal of content as well that Paul communicated to the people in Corinth um, verbally, personally, because he lived there, what was it, uh, a good year at least, I think he stayed with them and lived there in the city and uh, and discipling men, building a leadership corps in establishing a strong congregation there in Corinth. So it's a very interesting, very interesting city, very interesting situation. Uh, he turned the button. Lethal in some ways. The top blue buttons. Lethal in what, some what, ways John? to uh, the situation. Jacob was trying to get his top microphone set up here. But uh, we, we'll, we'll talk all here, about that. We read the books of First and Second Corinthians. Yeah, he did something. And we... Went from there then to the opening it's, chapters, okay. the opening five chapters of Jacob's favorite book in the Bible, the book of Job. And Jacob, I have found out through the years, a lot of people consider Jake, uh, the book of Job their favorite book. It, it's, I'm always amazed every year how we get so many calls. It's okay, we get so many calls about the book of Job, Jacob, every year. And I, I'm, and I think it's probably people are touched by the just the human story of this individual, the, the suffering, the difficulty, the tribulations, the, the struggle that he went through, uh, not only his loss of his family and, and so many different uh, tragedies and disappointments in his life, but also his struggle to, to come above them, to, to, uh, to respond in a godly and right way. He ne- never losing his faith and his love for God, but struggling, genuine struggle. I, th- I think a, p- a lot of people like consider it their favorite book, just like you do. And I, su- I assume it's for that reason, the kind of the human element. Well, I, I do. Can you hear me okay? Great. Um, I can hear you exceedingly well. <laughs> That's good. That's yes. very and, important. Uh, but um, no, I like it because, for me, it teaches me more about God, personally, in my opinion, than any other book in the Bible. I learn more about God from that book, for me, than any mm-hmm. other book. And do you th- think that it has to do with the idea of, is it his struggle, his his disappointments, the tragedies that happened to him, the the reality of life and, and the hardness of life, is it that, that that causes you to learn more, or what... What would you think there is about the book, or is it just the information that's there? Well, it's one of the—it's really the only book I think that gives us a glimpse 
into what happens in what they call the heavenly court. Because you've got, now you know actually what it says. I know they translate in English the angels and sometimes the sons of God come uh-huh. before God in, right. at chapter 1. Now, if you approach it that this is all taking place in heaven, you'll approach it that way. But suppose I told you that it's it's on the first in chapter 1, it says on a certain day. Well, that day is what's called Rosh Hashanah. That is, hum, let's call them human beings, not necessarily in heaven, but coming before God, as the Christians put coming before the throne, you might say, something like that. But it's taking place because it says clearly, the sons of God came, and then it says, and Satan, Satan, Satan came uh-huh. with them. So he's an angel, but they're not angels. So it's making it in the day, the historic understanding is that's on what we call or the Bible calls Rosh Hashanah, which is the day of creation, the birthday of the world. You might say the birthday of Adam for sure. Well, in what sense does it mean that the sons of God, if you know, in that sense, mm-hmm. come before God? Does that mean that it was a time in prayer? They they come and repent. This is their day. And in chapter two, it talks about and another certain day. So this and, was like a day of atonement. Uh, no, no, I was going to say, Rosh, no, they, no. Chapter two is day of atonement. That's when the sons of God again come before God, which is exactly the way it goes. It's Rosh Hashanah, and then it comes in with Yom Kippur in chapter two. Now Satan comes because Satan is the great quote unquote accuser, and the idea is that if you look closely, he comes and he says, and it's God that says to Satan, "Have you considered my servant Job?" Yeah, I always like that. God yeah. opens the conversation, and I know this seems kind of, I don't know, it may seem trite or shallow or whatever, but it's so interesting to me that God opens the conversation, and he opens it by bragging on this man and says, you know, have you considered that I'm so proud of him. Look, Job's lifestyle and Job's heart and attitude must have been so positive that it really brought great joy and blessing to the Creator, which which is an astounding thought in and of itself, that, is, that a single person, an individual, mm-hmm. can live, we can live our lives in such a way and with, with, with the correct and right attitudes that somehow I can put, I can actually put a smile on the face of God. And that, that to me is almost an astounding thought, but that's what we have. God opened and said, hey, have you noticed my servant, Job? He just, what a godly, what a, and I thought, wow, how amazing. I, I wonder if God has ever <laughs> bragged on me <laughs> to around the courts of heaven. Well, hey, you got to check soap. Yeah, but uh, if he did, then Satan will come over and get you. Yeah, yeah, I guess I But, I, you I, know, actually, what is going on there, as the sages always point out, it is God that sort of turns Satan on to Job. Mm-hmm. And he comes down here and he does some pretty bad things to Job. No. Well, at least bad from our human perspective about life, take away family members and friendships and health and possessions and so on. Uh, and, yeah, we consider it bad. And, and I, I'm, what, uh, I, bad, I'm totally lost by that comment. What do you mean I, we consider I, it bad? I, saying, what else do you know? Well, listen, listen, though. Hang on. And, and, and I guess the, what I'm saying is that don't you agree that if eternity is a reality, mm-hmm. that... Our existence mm-hmm. post-death, after mm-hmm. we've passed over the River Jordan, after we've gone through the veil, the thin veil into death, into eternity, it, it, 
with that in mind, most everything of earthly, our earthly existence and earthly life and experiences, uh, although they do have eternal consequences and they re- they reverberate into eternity, I'm not saying they're totally not important at all, but they don't they fade a little bit in light of like like a million years from now will we really worry about we lost our job or we uh, you know lost a loved one? I mean, don't you agree that in some ways our vision and understanding of reality? Well, I'm always af- I'm personally I'm always afraid of somebody that concentrates so much on the hereafter oh, that they totally that. disobey God in this world. Well, no, 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 that's not where I'm headed, of course. I'm saying that I said that that our lives here do reverberate into eternity, and it's important what we do here. But in terms of the hardships and the trials and so on, sometimes I think it might be something like the travails and the struggles and pain of childbirth Mm -hmm. that ask any mother with a proud son or or a son is doing well, Hey, do you remember back 15, 20 years ago when you got, I remember all that pain, and they and they go, no, I don't even remember it. it now yeah. it's all, you know what I mean? It, in a sense, I wonder if it doesn't fade in light of eternity, but that's all right. I'm not, I'm not making a big point of that, uh, and I didn't really mean to diminish what happened to Job. Uh, I was just saying, yeah, from a human perspective, it was terrible, and those are horrible, and I identify with it, but. Anyway, Jacob, go ahead. You got me in a mess here. I, I didn't mean to diminish no, it's it. No, it's okay. I mean, do, I actually there's many different idea. people with many different points of view. Oh, yeah. Well, that's and, good. Uh, and, and, I, uh, and I, I've studied it. I've read several of the sages, both mm-hmm. Christian and Jewish. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I am satisfied that I think I have a grasp of it. I don't think God would send us to this earth just to see if we would believe him so we could go back to heaven. I don't think that's what this is about. And I don't think Job teaches that. I think Job has a particular mission in mind, that they come down here, because remember at the beginning of Genesis, it separates light from dark. Uh Well, the certain people are put into this darkness, shall we say, to bring a piece of light. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, I might do it differently than God, but as I in a thumbnail sketch of what I understand is, the idea is is to do all these things of light, these mitzvahs, these, these good mitzvahs, deeds, yeah. and you will then conquer darkness. And if we look very closely at all these so-called friends, I'm going to suggest these are not friends that come to Job, but these are witnesses. They come to take glee in his misery. Mm-hmm. I know the common thing is, well, these are friends coming with friends like that who needs enemies. You know? <laughs> but if you look, in fact, I'll just tell you this. One of the most unusual thing is in chapter 22. I know it's not for tonight, uh-huh. but Eliphaz, he comes in, he says, he actually makes a quote. He says, he says, this vindictive uh, spitefulness. And he says, everything you've done is evil. Clearly, your evil is so overwhelming. This is why it's happened to you. Well, we know as the reader that's not true. Yeah, we do. So all these guys are saying, and this is actually what they're teaching. Look at one guy says, you really are a sinner. One of them says, your children, what happened to your children? Mm-hmm. They deserved it. Uh-huh. They were so bad and evil. And, wow. and I'm about, How insensitive yeah, can well, that be? Yeah, yeah, well, it is insensitive. It's like walking in a hospital and see somebody that's all busted up, and you say, gee, boy, don't you fault. look bad. 
you idiot. Why did yeah. you do that? Well, what I'm saying is, well, listen to the themes that's really in there. One guy says, you really are a sinner. The other one says, well, everything just kind of works together for all the good, and it's going to work out. The other guy says, you know, everything that's happened is to your kids is really your fault, and it's just larger than what we can understand because it's all going to work. And at yeah. the end, and those are very modern themes in today's religious that's world. true. And at the end, God appears. And he says, I never said any of that. You've made that up. Now, you guys go listen to Job, because what you're saying about me and Job is not true. And you go ask Job to pray for you and give an offering so that you can experience forgiveness and cleansing. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Well, but, but it's because all these guys, I hate to say this, these are these other guys are what we'd call Canaanites. They're Esau. Uh-huh. They're other people from other parts of the country. It starts off in chapter 1 of saying they came from their country. And so Job was actually teaching them about God and the real God, not their God. And all these things they're accusing Job of is we know as the reader is not accurate. Mm. Well, you can tell we have hit Jacob's hot button tonight. This is his favorite book. So he's full of thoughts and impressions and things he's learned from it. And so that's going to be wonderful. But... Uh, Jacob, all important tonight, we we only cover the first five chapters, which actually focuses on the story behind the story. Yes, it does. And I think it's always important as you read the book of Job to remember that we know the story behind the story. We know the truth. Uh, you you can get lost in these arguments and these, these comments that these so-called friends make, and you can kind of... Forget for a moment the fact that actually we know the truth. We know the background. We know uh, the truth about Job. We know the truth about the situation, that, that why the situation exists, and so on. And so uh, that does, don't forget that because we want to bring that perspective to all of these conversations that we're going to be reading this coming week, uh, in fact, as we finish the book of Job. But we're going to talk, give you some questions tonight from the first five chapters. Uh, we spent a lot of our time, most of our time this week, in the books of First and Second Corinthians, which I have to say, in a way, I, I really like those books, almost for the same reason I like Job. This was a struggling group of people. They were they were deeply they were living and deeply involved in a, um, a, a, a very what would you say, a perverse society and culture, and they were surrounded by uh, by uh, idolatry and paganism and false gods and in the religious realm, and it was a, the, the, the culture, the community they lived in in Corinth was extremely um, perverse and immoral. I, it, it had to be just an incredible struggle for them to to live for God in that kind of a setting, and 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 we see a lot of their struggles as well. Uh, they have these discussions about what do we do about women in the church, in in the terms of because a lot of the pagan, and idolatrous, and false religions involved, um, uh, you know, temple prostitution and men and women and so on. And so the 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 place of sexuality and its role that's important they talk about meat offered to idols and that struggle and that complication the sensibilities and sensitivities of different ones in the congregation some didn't have any problem with it eating meat that had been offered to idols to them it was just a barbecue and they were getting the meat cheap but the others it was a big cultural and it was a 
kind of a shot to their conscience, the idea that they would eat that. So, and they had to deal with these. And I, I, I like that struggle. I like to see them working through and struggling with these ideas. And Paul, right in the middle of it, giving those instructions. Well, uh, so we're, we're kind of giving that background. Let's let's put out some questions. I'll give some questions. What do you say from Psalms and the Proverbs? Okay. Do you have some questions listed out already from Corinthians and Job? It seems I do. I thought you did. Okay. Um, in Psalm 96, that was the only psalm we read uh, during this past week. Psalm 96 mentions a number of different ways that we can worship the Lord. And what I want you to do, if you don't mind, go to Psalm 96. And I have listed here one, two, three, four, five, six. Six of those ways that are mentioned in Psalm 96 that we can worship God in our lives. Now, we, we want to know about worship. How can we worship, adore, and, and, and rightly worship God and bring and be a blessing to Him? Uh, so you just tell me if you can. Name one of the ways written in Psalm 96 that it says that we can worship the Lord. So that's question number one. Question number two is going to be from Proverbs chapters 20 through 22. Uh, I want to read one of the Proverbs that are given that is given to us. And I want you to give us its meaning, if you don't mind. Give us your interpretation, what you think the proverb means. And here it is. It's taken from chapter 20, Proverbs 20, verse 17. Stolen bread tastes sweet, but it turns to gravel in the mouth. What do you think that proverb means? What does it mean to you as you read it? What what lesson would you take from that proverb? Stolen bread tastes sweet, but it turns to gravel in the mouth. Uh, obviously I suspect this is not a literal thing Uh, although some of you might say hey it's literal it actually does turn to gravel but uh, (laughs) if if not if not maybe you'll give us a sense of what you think that proverb means All right, Jacob there's my two questions what do you got for us let's start off with you number one in Corinthians according to 1 Corinthians 13 what is superior to all the gifts that should be our highest goal? Well, that should be an easy question for anyone. That comes from the famous chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. It's a very famous chapter in the Bible. It has its own name, but I don't want to give it to you because it would give away the answer here. But what is superior to all the spiritual gifts that are listed there in Corinthians and all? What is superior to all those gifts and should be our highest goal? Mm-hmm. From First Corinthians 13. Uh-huh. And now your number four. If Jesus was not resurrected, what value does Christianity have? Oh, if Yeshua was not resurrected, he did not come back to life out of uh-huh. the grave, uh-huh. what value does Christianity have? Uh, Are we going to have a different opinion about the answer to uh, that? I don't know. Okay. I don't know what your opinion is. <laughs> well, you see it right there. Uh I mean, this is actually just the biblical answer that oh, what yeah. Paul, the point Paul is making. That's from First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Well, if the Bible says that I'm not picking a fight. All right, thank you. Chapter fifteen, verses fourteen through nineteen. 
Okay. Now let's talk uh, year number seven, and this is always a fascinating one to me. Are you talking about Corinthians, or have we gone to Job yet? No, no, we're still in Corinthians. Okay. I'm going to give you mostly Corinthians, I guess. Oh, so you like this one. I'm interested uh, in your, your view Number seven, which one. is what is going to happen in a moment in the twinkling or blinking of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. Uh, answers in First uh, Corinthians 15:52. Yeah, I tell you, I, I worry about that question. I okay. What is it? you folks? I'm sure you recognize the. Well, many of you recognize the quote: "In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown." So our question is, what's going to happen in that moment? Mm-hmm. What is it that Paul is saying is going to happen? Is First Corinthians 15:52 is where you find the answer. Okay, and now I'm going to switch over to two or three from Job, if that's okay. Good. Uh, Job number one. In what ancient land, which is still around today, that's that not right? part of your question, uh-huh. uh, what ancient land did Job and his family live? Okay. And you're going to, it's in the first chapter of uh, Job. You don't have the site here, but I it's in the first yeah. chapter. Yeah, it's right there in the first uh-huh. chapter. Uh-huh. It's in the first verse of the first chapter. I don't uh-huh. know why I didn't put that in there. Oh, well, we found it. Okay. Okay, so that's number what what land did Job live in? And I will tell you what's fascinating is there's actually still a city and area in this country that we all know very well these days uh that oh. is still named that name today. Is that right? Yes. Hmm. And I actually knew a guy from there and what that means in English is like a boiling pot. Huh. Anyway, Do they so, have like a tomb they call Job's tomb? Or no, no. What they, ha- like what they, uh, no, no. They don't have that. That's I just wondered. I mean, you know, tourist attraction sort no. of thing. Well, <laughs> uh, and um, okay, and uh, your number three in the first test of Job's faith. Interesting. What does God allow Satan to do? Okay, there's several tests, uh-huh. right? And so. In the first test of his face, what does God allow Satan to do? Okay, that's a good one. All right. Now, that's found in what chapter? Chapter 1, verse 12. Yes, I'm sorry about that. Uh, But I really want to address and take a look at your number eight. What are the names of the three, quote, unquote, older friends, unquote, who come to visit and quote-unquote, console Job. Oh, that's a little bit of a meaty question, a little bit of hard. You have to, that's a second level of question. What are the names of the three, quote, friends who come to visit and console Job? 340-9585, 340-9585, give us a call. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work and we had got our oil done before, it would take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't very expect nice. they to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. 
And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Grace, I just can't stop thinking about it, and I can't stop talking about it. Hi, I'm Chuck Swindoll. If I could sing it, I would. If I could shout it, I'd do that. Can you grasp the concept of grace? Of course, we can't fully, but even the bit we understand is immense. The grace of God. There's nothing so freeing, so lifting. The late Kenneth Wiest puts it this way. Do this and live, the law demands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. A better word God's grace does bring. It bids me fly and gives me wings. Gives me wings? Amen to that. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll. Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. Yes, living, dying, let me My strength, my solace from the spring. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. And we are back. This is Sophie Dollar, and Jacob is here in the studio with me, and we are ready to take your phone calls. 340-9585, that's the call-in line for the Bible Live quiz program, quiz show. 340-9585, if you happen to be dialing long distance uh, from anywhere in the continental United States in reality, maybe someone's listening via the Internet and would like to join us, you can call us at toll-free 877-630-5757, but... Uh, if you're calling here in uh, the Alamo City or our environs, South Texas here, you can call 340-9585. So waiting for your calls. It's not lit, lit up yet, but we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questions out there. From the Psalms, we have this question. Name one of the ways mentioned in Psalm 96 that we can worship the Lord. And then from Proverbs chapter 20, verse 17, 
I've asked you if you could give me the the meaning. How would you interpret this particular proverb? Stolen bread tastes sweet, but it turns to gravel in the mouth. What does that mean? Proverbs twenty seventeen. And just kind of give it your own kind of thought. What do you think that means? If, if you hear if someone said that to you, then let's go to the book of First Corinthians. Uh, Jacob uh, has brought out these questions. According to 1 Corinthians 13, what is it that is superior, that is better than all the other spiritual gifts that are mentioned there and should be our highest goal as the people of God in our lives, uh, in our daily lives? What is it that is better than gold, better than all, superior to all the other gifts and should be our highest goal? Uh, from 1 Corinthians 13. And then, if Jesus was not resurrected, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he, he, he poses this question. Well, what if Jesus was not resurrected? What if he didn't come uh, bodily come out of the grave? And then he asks the question, what does that do to Christianity? What value does that then, does, our, does this message, the Christian message, have? If Jesus did not really come out of the grave. So you can find the answer in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 19. Uh, what is going to happen, quote, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye when the last trumpet is blown? You may have heard that kind of a famous quote before. In a moment in the twinkling or blinking of an eye when the last trumpet is blown, something is going to happen. What is it? 1 Corinthians 15:52 Paul talks about that um, well I'll say it this way that future event. Okay, now let's go to the book of Job. Is that future event change the question any to you? No. Okay, all right. In Job chapter 1 verse 1, the first verse, we're focusing on the first 5 chapters of Job tonight uh because we we get a chance to see to set the scene, to set the stage for this entire book, the, these friends and the commentary and the, the, commu- the communications, the, the conversations that Job has with these other men. Uh, and this is part of that background. In what ancient land did Job and his family live? Chapter 1, verse 1 is where you find the answer. Mm-hmm. In uh, chapter 1, verse 12, we see the first test of Job's faith. God allows Satan to uh, to work in Job's life to to bring about a, what what falls out to be, what rolls out to be a test of Job's faith and devotion to God. What does God allow Satan to do uh, to Job that, that, that makes up this first test of his faith? And then finally, what are the names of these three older friends, quote, friends, as Jacob says, who come to visit, or so-called friends, they come to visit and console Job. And and he's already stated that he doesn't think they came to console, but to gloat maybe. Uh, what are the names of these three friends that are, make up such a big part of the book of Job? What are their names? Chapter 2, verse 11 is where you'll find their names. Of course, other places as well throughout the book. So there you go. There are uh, eight questions. If you know the answer to any of them, you'd like to give us a call and win some great prizes, uh, some 
oil change for the vehicle, some dry cleaning, some uh, drapery and furniture cleaning, some uh, Splashtown tickets for you and the family, uh, you and a friend. We can send all of those out to you, a wonderful little prize package we put together. And, of course, the big prize is we get into the scriptures, into God's Word, and uh, we get to discuss it and dig a little deeper uh, into the Word of God and experience, hopefully, to come to get to know the author, come to get to know God himself better and better and his ways. So that's the, the real prize here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Give us a call, 340-9585. The phone lines are totally blank right now. You can get in. And come up really quickly. We'll bring you right onto the air. You can answer your question and win your prizes and uh, and uh, be on your happy, merry way. Or you can also ask us questions. Maybe you've been thinking about this thing, this matter of God, and, and what it means to know God and walk with God and experience God in our lives. Maybe you'd like to know a little bit about that. You've got a question about that experience. Or maybe you have a, a question about the Scriptures themselves something that's kind of been bothering you on your mind and you wonder about it we'd be glad to give you a, a thought about it uh and also of course other listeners will hear maybe they can tune in and, and um, they can call in and give an insight as well so give us a call 340-9585 that's the call in line for the bible live quiz show uh, my name is Soapy Dollar. I'm on the staff with Campus Crusade for Christ, a crew military ministry. Uh, it's what we direct here in South Texas now, working with thousands and thousands of our basic trainees from the United States Air Force, getting a chance to visit with them every weekend and minister to their hearts and lives, meet their family members and brothers and sisters and fiancés and, and so on. It's just an incredible thrill we get. So uh, that's that's our ministry. And uh For 45 years, that's been our work with young people, with college students here and in 35 countries of the world. So it's a a great thrill to be with you here, and we'd love to share maybe some of the insights and things that we might have picked up over these years of ministering the Word to to men and women, to real people around planet Earth. So uh, that's my background. Jacob is giving us that perspective of the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, knowing well that background. All right, let's go to line one, Jacob. Okay. I'll tell them more about you as we come back after visiting. Oh, with this. good. <laughs> Don't tell them all I know, though, right? Oh, that's right. That's all right. Rich is on the air with us. Hi, Rich. Hello, Sophie. Hello, Jacob. We're uh, glad you're hello. there. What, what, uh, did you I want to answer a question time. or have some other comments tonight? Um, I wanted to answer one of the questions, but I wanted to tell you, whenever you give a question, I try not to look it up in the Bible. I like to see if I can remember. Uh-huh. So when yeah. I give a wrong answer, well, that's probably why. Well, how are you doing? Are you doing uh, pretty well on that scale? I mean, do you do you know the answer? I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'd say, about 50-50. <laughs> well, that's pretty good, actually. Uh, Some of the I'm, questions I'm are older, a little I'm older, so I get forgetful. <laughs> um, I know what that. I wanted to answer the, I wanted to try and answer the question uh, about uh where the prophet lived in an ancient city yes. or ancient country. Uh-huh. What land was that? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking Babylon. Oh, very good. You're, uh, 
I think he's in the right neighborhood. Yes, he is. In fact, well, I that's think not good enough though. It's not the right street. <laughs> well, I, I like how you put that. You're in the neighborhood. The street, could, the address could be a little better. Well, I'm the ba- Babylon is kind of the, the, of course, even back in that era. Uh, well, well it's the city, I think. The city. What would that be? Do you know? Um, I don't think so, Sophie. Well, let, let's say it's a two-letter city. Let's see if we can help you. Think it's only got two letters in it. Whoa. Any, any city? That, that's even more... Uh, Do you remember the city that Abraham came from? No, I don't. I'm sorry. He came from Ur of the Chaldeans, which is another city in that general region, I think. You know, as I read the, as I read the Bible, uh, whenever I get to the uh, chapters and books that have a lot of names... Yeah, and the relative of this relative of that relative yeah. of that relative. Your eyes, your eyes glaze over and roll I, back. I, and I, re- I, yeah. I don't think I could remember one name. Yeah, well, he lived in Ur of the Chaldeans. That's U R. Well, this city is just a little different, but it's not U R. It's an U. What's with the last letter. letter in the English alphabet? What's the last letter in the English alphabet? <laughs> Z. He got it. You got it. Ooh. That's not fair, though. (laughs) Oh, it's perfectly fine. We do it all the time. Actually, we're quite good at it, Rich. But no, no. Uh, Even when I was in college, I never did go for the open book thing. No, we went. We went. We're going with the right neighborhood. It's it's in Iran. He's he's in the right place. It's in Babylon, and it's in modern, what we call modern Iran. Um, Let me ask you just. Or as they pronounce it, Iran. Yeah, Iran. But that's the name of the uh, 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 city is Uz? Uz, U-Z. And Jacob says it still exists today. It does. It still exists. It's in a region that's quite rocky, and it also has a lot of earthquakes. And technically, loosely, it translates as boiling pot. Is it still is it heavily populated? or? Uh, I don't know the answer. I think reasonably so. We can yeah. Google it. Because well, in that kind of a, a geographic location, it would be hard to make a living. I mean, it seems like it. Yeah, you know where earthquakes and all. Unless it's oozing oil, maybe. Well, yeah, that seems to be the case lately. <laughs> in that part of okay, the world. Okay, yeah. I'm going to let you go. I don't right, deserve Rich. no prize. Good to visit with you, pal. Thanks for calling in. All right. All right. Let's go. Line two. Uh, uh, this is, I believe, Mike. I think he said Mike is on the line with us. Hi, Mike. Uh, hello, Soapy. Hi, Jacob. Hello Good to there. hear you, pal. Hi. I wanted to answer the question on First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, which is love. All right. But it's not just... Okay, let's let's dig a little deeper here, Mike. And I know you know the answer to this, so I'm going to... You know, we in English, we say love. I love my hot dogs. I love my dog. Uh, I love our house. I love the weather. I love South Texas. I love America. I love my wife. Um, and so on and so on. Uh so we use the word love. We have all kinds of applications to it. Uh, I love spaghetti. I love pizza. Uh, this Paul in, in, in Greek, there are different words for different kinds of love. You got eros, eros, uh, erotic, love, you know, for uh, sensual, sensual or sexual love. You have uh, Philadelphia. You have phileo, which is like uh, brotherly love, like the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly shove. I mean, brotherly love, uh-huh. excuse me. But then, okay, this is a special kind of love. I, I what guess is that? Koinonia. Say it again. Koinonia. No. Try again. Koinonia, um, remember, is a, that's a different Greek word. 
Agape love. Agape, there you go. Agape, as we say in Spanish or whatever language you might use, agape, agape, and and talk to us a little bit about agape, about agape love. Do you, how, what can you tell us about that particular word, that kind of love? Um, it. Um, you didn't know I was going to put you to the test patient, here, did I? Love is did kind. You? Say again. Love is patient. Love is kind. Um, yes, yeah, that's all there in First Corinthians thirteen. Love does not. It's not prideful. Doesn't even notice when others do it wrong. Oh, isn't that oh something? Boy. Oh, it's a wonderful description there in First uh, Corinthians thirteen of love. Before it talks about how it's of highest value. Agape love is the love of God in the sense that it's a love that does not have an explanation. Most of our loves, I love you because you love me. I love you if you do this, if you do that. You know, they're conditional, which. Agape love is God's unconditional love. I love you, period. In spite of, sometimes, in spite of your rebellion, in spite of your weakness, in spite of your sin, I love you, I care about you, and want the best for you. So it's that it's a love without conditions put on it. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And, of course, only God has truly, purely that type of love. But we're learning, aren't we? We're in the process of learning how to love others in that same way. Well, yes. Mike, good to hear from you, pal. Do you want to give your name and, and uh, put get on our list for send you some splash town tickets? Um, could, could I uh, ask a question about something I'm really troubled about? I'd love to hear it. Well, um, I've been troubled by Joab and uh, David, and uh, um, and um, Jacob and Esau. Yes. Well, anyway, um, well, the troubling thing is Joab. Uh, He's quite you know, a character. There's no doubt about it. He's a piece of work. Oh boy! And I was thinking, well, I, why did God love David and and was impartial to to Joab? And I was thinking it must be because, in the most part, David um, respected what was holy, and Joab he obeyed orders, disobeyed orders. He was very effective, very shrewd. Uh, he killed Absalom against the orders of the king. Um, if Nathan had, and when David had his sin, and Nathan came forward and said, "You are that man," I, I think Joab that would have been all for Nathan. And when King Saul <laughs> came into the cave, I suspect to cover you're right. Shoes, yes, um, I, I, David respected the the holiness of the position that King Saul had, but I, I don't think. Um, Joab would have. I think that would have been the, the last time for, for King Saul. Just to remind our listeners now, Joab, he is, a, if I remember correctly, isn't he related in some way to yeah, David? Yeah, he's what we call a cousin. A cousin. And he is David's commanding general. He actually kills, is it Abner? Who killed was Abner, Saul's yes. commanding general. And worse, he killed Amasa. The, yeah, the, the darn he, thing about it was, after the, the revolution of Absalom, King David wanted to make Amasa the general over Joab, exactly. or at least equal. How can you take the enemy general and make him the equal to your victorious general? Well, obviously so, with Jacob, with Joab, you can't. <laughs> I, obviously not. So he, yeah, he was a very. Uh, I mean, this guy was a, a man's man. He was a real. I mean, he was a soldier by career and he was a killer he 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 didn't mind or evidently 
understood the taking life was part of evidently his job, he thought. Right. Uh, yeah, he's a remarkable individual, and yet there are times when he indicates at some level a faith in God and a belief right. in God. He he is sensitive to about the idea of uh, carrying out this census that David commands him right. to carry out, and he warns the king against that. And there are other times when he shows a sensitivity to the things of God and the, and, and the matters of God. He's a collaborator with David in his great sin and the killing of Uriah the Hittite. Right. Why didn't he disobey there? I mean, yeah, this know, is one of his own officers that he right. participates in his, you know, uh, what they call fragging today. It was just the intentional killing of one of the uh, officers in his own military um, hierarchy. Right. So it's a. I get it. There's this back and forth. What is this guy, Joab? Is is he good? Is he a bad guy? What? How do you view it, Jacob? How do do? I always thought. How does Jewish He'd history make treat a great him? movie? Say again. He'd be a great movie. Um, I, I, I uh, Joab was uh, was clearly a very reliable guy. Reliable. And reliable. <laughs> and he that would means always, you could always rely on him to kill somebody. Uh, sure. Well, he was going to take care of the mess. He was the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> okay. And uh, and so obviously even uh, and several times in fact we know that. Uh, he even criticizes David when uh, David's son, who rebelled, got killed. We well, you know about that. Yeah. And he says, hey, and David's going through great mourning, and he says, hey, you know, all these soldiers, everybody went out to defend you, and you're not looking at them. You're looking at your dead son, and these other guys are more loyal to you than your own son, and you're making them feel as though that they wasted their time. So he has a lot of aspects. And that was of pretty that. wise, actually. Yeah. Very wise counsel. Well, they cut the head off the snake, and the revolution was over. Very effective. Yeah. But David had David wouldn't have done that. He he had respect for what was holy, and he, he would let God or time um, carry itself through and be content with the result. Yeah. Joab, he just knew how to end things. He he, he just. Ooh, killing Absalom was just um, what you had to do. I yeah. mean, it seemed like, but... Joab took the, the uh, direct route. He he didn't yeah, mess yeah. around with the curves and the twists and turns and the and the nuances. He just took the direct route uh, and solved the problem the most direct, the most clear, the most practical and, and real way. I, I get your question. I really do, and I have wondered about him. I've often wondered about characters in the Old Testament that we see in their struggles, we see them as they try to relate to God, you know, the God of the Scripture, the true and living God is revealing himself to men and women in this era and this time. And, and I, it, to watch them interact with God and struggle with God and their faith and in a practical way to their life, I've often tried to kind of wonder, I wonder if we'll see Joab one day in heaven. Uh, will we? Will he make it to glory? Was he part of the... A people of God. I mean, we know the people of God aren't perfect. They're just forgiven and cleansed, and 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 we can all make mistakes and all. So I don't know. Is this? I, I, don't, I know y'all guess, don't think um, in terms of heaven, Jacob, so much. But do you no, suspect no, uh, that Joab think was, of heaven, but they do not have hell? Okay. All right. Well, do you, do you think of Joab as being uh, a, a genuine, a follower, uh, one who, at the bottom of everything, after all of these other situations, we think of. Do you think that he might genuinely be a person of genuine faith and devotion to God? And we might see him again someday? Well, devotion, yes. Faith, 
maybe, maybe not. But I know that he certainly, and we all know what, Absalom did a pretty bad thing, right? Sure, he did. And, yeah. and did David act correctly or did David not act correctly? I think David acted fairly naive. No, he what do you did, think, uh, Mike? Uh, the, no, we can't marshmallow on this. Well, Mike gives him a lot of credit. You say, no, well, no, David listen, would have David done that. absolutely so. did not act correctly. There is no question that he did not. Absalom did some pretty bad stuff. Yeah, he Didn't did. he rape somebody? Yes. Is there a penalty for that? He murdered some people. Uh-huh. And did he tried da- to usurp did the David, and well, take did the David of his act father? correctly? It's not a marshmallow answer. The okay. answer is no, he did not. No, he was a bad but guy. Joab cleaned up the mess for him. Well, yeah, and, so, and we do know this: when David continue. sinned, what'd you say? Uh, if if uh, Joab does not kill Absalom, the revolution continues. Yeah, um, they would have tried to rescue him. War would have gone. More people would have died. Right. Who knows? But yeah, let's I, I say suppose. if David had done what he should have done, there never would have been a war. Yeah, uh, I suspect that's true. A- as well. And let's go one step further. Uh, let's um, if uh, David had gone so far as to not disobey God's laws on how to conduct a census, uh, things there would not have been a plague in Israel. And so we got Joab actually telling David, don't do this thing. So he's certainly obeying as he understands God's law on how not to conduct a census. Yeah. So we got Job. He seems to be doing a lot of the right things. And Joab? I'm sorry. Joab. <laughs> you want to get back to Job, don't well, you? That's okay. But, but no, the, no, but Joab, yeah, I I think he's one of the most interesting people. I really he's got to be one of the more interesting people in the scriptures. Uh remarkable individual, great talents, great loyalty. Uh, but it's hard for us I suppose to judge and determine, you know, his heart. But um I, I, there would definitely have to be hope, don't you think, Mike? He there was something there. There was some respect and love to, or devotion to God, and there was something there. It's, I'm not. I'm not sure he was totally devoid of any idea of faith. Oh, um, I just think that good people don't get to heaven unless they they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Master, and he was definitely a good man. But he took matters into his own hands. Where David would not, he he backed off and let time, uh, let God, God let yeah. events happen, and respect um, the people around him, except the one big sin. Well, the real question for Joab and for David and for all the men and women of of the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures that. They preceded the coming of Messiah. Uh, they didn't know the particulars, but they knew God's redemptive plan was a matter of grace. God's redemptive plan was based on substitutionary atonement uh, and forgiveness and cleansing of sin and so on. And so uh, what they knew about the rightly relating to a holy and righteous God of the scriptures, uh, what they knew about it, did Joab act on what he knew? I mean, he didn't know about uh, Yeshua, particularly, specifically. He knew about God sending a Redeemer, a Savior, the, the Messiah was predicted. And so He knew about the, the substitutionary atonement, the lambs and the, the sacrifices that were made 
uh, as an expression of, of humility and repentance of sin. Uh, whether he, I, I assume he probably participated in some of those, uh, bringing well, his sacrifice. You remember when Joab gets killed? Yes. Okay, do you remember why he gets killed? Joab gets killed because he tries to take, uh, doesn't he try to sleep with uh, somebody's concubine? Uh, he was going, remember David actually consults with Solomon and says, Solomon, uh, right. da- Joab will take you out of the office and put the correct guy in. David was ma- fulfilling a promise for his sinful acts towards Bathsheba uh-huh. and uh, Uriah and uh and so he put... And so Joab was saying, no, wait a minute. Solomon's not supposed to be king. And so David was actually doing something that's highly It was supposed to be Abishai? Is that right? Or who was it? Well, it was, it was a different son. Yeah. Okay, a different son. And so well, the point is that Joab was... And so David warned Solomon, Joab will do the right thing. He will take you out and put the correct king in. So you better, you better get him first. Interesting. Well, great insights there, oh. Michael. We probably didn't answer your question completely, but there's some thoughts there for you, okay? Okay. Talk to you later, kiddo. we got to take a break now. We'll be right back. And Get a jump on your summer fun with Splash Town, San Antonio's favorite family water park. Featuring 20 acres with 40 water slides, the half-million-gallon wave pool, the quarter-mile-long Siesta del Rio, the ever-famous dive-in movies every Friday night, and more. Splash Town is just three minutes north of downtown on I-35 with plenty of free parking. For hours, rates, or advanced discount tickets, surf on over to SplashTownSA.com. A new wave of fun at Splash Town. Looking for a great family night outing during the summer? AM630 KSLR and the city of San Antonio have the perfect solution with Movies by Moonlight every Tuesday night in July at Travis Park downtown. Enjoy pre-show entertainment at 7.30 and the movie starting at dusk. This week, catch the Lego movie, Movies by Moonlight, Tuesday night starting at 7.30 at Travis Park. Brought to you by Children's Hospital of San Antonio, Stone Oak Modern Dentistry, Idea Public Schools, and KSLR. When you're driving, a GPS can help you feel more secure. It points you in the right direction, leads you to your destination, and gets you back on track if you make a wrong turn. What if you could have guidance like this on your financial journey? You can. For over 100 years, Thrivent Financial has been helping Christians make wise choices about their money. Thrivent offers a full range of financial products and something more. You'll have experienced Thrivent Financial representatives on your side. Your local Thrivent Financial representative will help you take realistic steps towards reaching your goals and help you navigate through detours along the way. Turn-by-turn financial guidance is there when you need it. Find a financial representative nearest you at Thrivent.com or call 1-800-THRIVENT. Licensed agent, producer of Thrivent Financial, marketing name for Thrivent Financial for Lutherans. Registered representative of Thrivent Investment Management, Inc. Member FINRA and SPIC. Thrivent.com slash disclosures. Hi, this is Lisa Turkhurst inviting you to join me for a girls' night out on Friday, September 25th at 7 p.m. at the Shrine Auditorium in San Antonio. We're going to have a whole lot of fun, and this is perfect for any woman who needs to be reminded who you are, your role, your purpose, and that God is good, and God is good at being God. The deadline for discounted ticket price is July the 31st, so get yours today at KSLR.com.
AM630KSLR, KSLR.com, and on ChristianRadio.com. Tune in and the iHeartRadio app. Your station for Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Weekday mornings at 7.30. AM 630 KSLR San Antonio. A service of Salem Media Group. Love's like a This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we're back. A great song as we introduce this last segment of the Bible Live Quiz Show. Part of our reading this last week was 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, actually, really, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Through uh, the end of Second Corinthians, actually, uh, Second hey, Corinthians Sophie, chapter thirteen. Could I, before we get started, could sure. I invite Steve, who was online for a long time, and exactly. he evidently had to drop off. Yeah. So, Steve, if you're listening, call back. We'll put you to the front of the line. All right, Steve. Good. We'd like to hear from you. What was your question? What was your comment? What was your, uh, uh, what did you have to say to us here on the Bible Live Quiz Show? Three four zero ninety five eighty five is our phone number. Three forty ninety five eighty five. During the break, John, our board operator, got on his Google, his magic, uh, his magic information machine here, his uh, smartphone, and found that the land of ooze was. Uh, you can Google it, and you can discover you know, the ancient land of Job. Uh, it's part of now the the what we would call the modern land of uh, Iraq or Iran, Iran yeah. now. And, you know, that body of water up the top of that we saw on the map that John showed us, Jacob? Uh-huh. Yeah. That didn't seem to me like that would be the Mediterranean. That would be, it seems like, one of the seas over there to the east of the Mediterranean. Because uh, Persia in that area is w- far off from the Mediterranean. Well, originally in the time of Job, this was actually part of uh, Edom. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, so well, I wonder what that body of water was. I, I, I Maybe I can look it up on my little map here. I don't know. Too. It might be the Persian Gulf. That looked like maybe what it was. But it's down at the southern end of that of body of water there. I wonder if it's that Persian Gulf. That might be what it is. But anyway, you can, like we said, Google it and look it up. It's very interesting. He said the population was a, was a boundary-busting... A census challenge of 149 people. (laughs) And that's not 149,000, folks. We're saying uh, the the, uh, modern population of the city of Ooz is 149 folk. It's it's in a land. The word Ooz means something like boiling pot. I was told by an Iranian that it loosely means in English boiling pot because there's so many earthquakes. And it's a region of great earthquakes and upheaval. So kind of a tough place to make a living, I suspect. So we are, as of 2006, the population was 149. I don't know, it might be up to 155 by now. <laughs> they might have had a, a huge uh, a population explosion, who knows. 
Uh, but anyway, you can look it up yourselves as well. We are the Bible Live Quiz Show, 340-9585. Uh, we certainly invite Steve to call back, but you can call as well, 340-9585. If you can answer any of these questions that we have put out on the radio from our Bible readings this past week. We read uh, from the Psalms and the Proverbs, what we call our Wisdom and Worship segment. And we read First uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Well, First Corinthians, let's go ahead and call it 13. First Corinthians chapter 13 through Second Corinthians chapter 13. In other words, we finished out the books of First and Second Corinthians, these letters that Paul wrote to the uh, church there that had been established in Corinth, this ancient city. And then we read the first five chapters of the book of Job. And as it turns out, Job is Jacob's favorite book in the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, or in the Bible itself, I think, the entire Bible. And uh, with with good reason, a lot of people really love this book about this man named Job and what he went through, the struggles, the challenges, the tests of his faith that God allowed him to be uh, put to the test. Uh, and uh, we can learn so very much about God and his ways and about uh, our lives and how we can experience God in our lives as well. So Job chapters 1 through 5, we have the questions out from the book of Job. We ask you this question, in the first test of Job's faith, what does God allow Satan to do? And that's found in chapter 1, verse 12. Uh, We have the stages set, uh, the background of the story, and then uh, God allows Satan to test Job's faith What is the first test? What does he take from uh, Job in that first test of his faith? And then if you can tell us the names of the three older friends who come to visit and console Job. You know what, Sophie? Since we're getting uh, lean on time, why don't we go ahead and discuss a little bit that that last question you just mentioned, Maybe, because there's oh, some interesting three, facts. Are you talking about the three friends or the other one? Uh, the three friends. Okay, let me ask one more question from the book of Job. All right. In light of his sufferings, in light of all the problems that he went through, someone told Job, 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 uh, like Steve Jobs, right? Someone told Job to, quote, curse God and die. <laughs> that was That was the message. From the one individual to Job. You've got all these problems, Job. Just Why don't you just curse God and die? Who was that that told Job to curse God or counseled him? Go ahead and curse, curse God and die. Who was it? You'll find the answer in Job chapter 2, verse 9. And you may be surprised by the answer. I'm not sure. All right, Jacob. What do you, let's well, let's talk yeah, about. Yeah, let's some go ahead and just clear it up a little bit because so we, it's important, I think, for the setting of the story to know who these so-called three friends are. Right. Go for it. All right. Well, the first one, of course, is that we know Eliphaz. Eliphaz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, who he is? He was the eldest son of Esau. So we know in the city Uz, he is. It's in the area of Edom. Edom is Esau. Yes, right. Uh, and remember Esau, uh, Jacob's twin brother, Esau. Uh, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. He was the 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 younger, actually, of the two twins, uh, but he was the the lineage of faith. Right. He was the so, one. Uh, from, so uh, this gives uh, us an identification. Also gives us a time period when uh, the Book of Job would have probably taken place. Okay. 
No, uh, the other guy uh, is uh, Bill Dodd. Bill Dodd. Uh huh. Uh huh. That is actually, uh, it means Bell is loved. Or Bell has love. And Bell was what kind of a god? From uh, Babylon. Uh, okay. So we've got. We've got Edom. I was going to say just a false god. <laughs> well, we was going to say, but we got Babylon. Okay. The last guy, Zophar, uh, it actually is, it comes from a, a region, and it's more of a home than anywhere else, but it is actually what we'd come to call the Canaanites in today's vernacular. So what you got is you've got these so-called friends. Now, let's, if we start putting this picture together, it really puts an interesting prospect. You've got... Babylon, Canaanites, Edom, all coming to console their Jewish friend Job. Isn't that interesting? This Now, this is why I'm suggesting... Who, who calls them friends? Does the Bible call them friends or refer to them as friends? Or is that just something that our commentaries put in there? You know, His three friends come to talk to him. Does the Bible call them friends? Well, I don't believe it does. I'll, I'll be looking. Go ahead with your comments there. Well, at any rate, so what you've got is... Yeah, they're coming, and Job is in a great distress, obviously. And, uh, you know, his, his property's gone, his uh, his children are dead, and uh, and they all come up with these explanations of why this has all happened to him. Now, this is not too far from what I would suggest that many of the, the Arab regions would suggest to the Jews even today. And But what's fascinating is, at the end of the book of Job, these three guys, one from the area of the Canaanites, the Babylon, the Edom, uh, God says, all these things you're saying about my servant Job and about me are not true. Are not true. In fact, it gets worse and worse and worse because they start saying you really are a sinner or you just really don't understand what you're doing wrong. or Your children uh, deserve to yes, die. That's right. Yeah. And and so we and it's actually some of the doctrines that you hear actually even in American some religious circles today, you just got to yeah. accept it and got to understand it. And yet we're told at the end of the book of Job that it's wrong. And that's one of the things you ask me why this is so fascinating to me because some of the arguments are uh, things that you hear presented. In fact, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I actually a few years ago I read that book, The Purpose Driven Life. Uh-huh. And some of the guys quoted in there are, as fi- prime examples, the speeches by these three guys. And I always thought, this is fascinating, because at the end of the book of Job, we're told these speeches are quoting as seemingly right. we got God appearing and saying, I didn't say that. You made that up. That's not right. <laughs> you made uh, it up. Yeah. I, I didn't never say that. I never said that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Now, Job in Hebrew is Eov. And it's a derivative, as best anybody can tell from Old Hebrew, of the word suffering. So Makes sense. And he was certainly a suffering man, wasn't he? No doubt about yeah. it. Well, these three men, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Mm-hmm. Bildad, of course, is known for being the shortest man in the Bible. <laughs> I got you. I'm sorry. See how, how deep and profound my, my theology is? Bildad the Shuhite. Uh-huh, I get it. He was just a, no. Um, that's the uh, biblical joke of the evening. Bildad, the shortest man in the Bible, Shuhite. But Eli, these three so-called friends, uh, with that with that diverse back, uh, remember that uh, Esau was Jacob's twin brother who 
became Edom. He became the father of the Edomites, the nation of the Edomites. And certainly no uh, friend of the people of God, the people of Israel, and also uh, often drifting off into error. There weren't uh, true and constant followers of the true and living God as well. So Eliphaz is uh, the first oldest son of of uh, Edom, of Esau. Huh? That's, that's, that's interesting. Uh, and, and of course, that comes from Hebrew tradition and understanding, or is that something we find in Scripture? No, that's, uh, that, that, well, it tells you If the you names. use the right. Sure. And, and you can find that. Okay. And, um, so, and actually, uh, and, uh, I was just, and I just, actually, somebody just notified me, and, and, uh, one of the references is in Job 2.11, it says, when Job's three, some versions will say friends, some yes. say companions. Heard all his misfortune which had befallen him, Job, each one came from his country. So we're being told that these fellows are coming from another country. Now what would make these guys come from another country all the way to see Job in his misery? I don't know. I, I was going to say that 2.11, uh, my version says Job's three of Job's friends. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know. I'd look at need to look at the Hebrew, the words involved, right. and see if the idea of friends is there. But uh, they come from these different. Why would they come? I'm, I'm guessing. You know what I thought of them somehow, Jacob. It made me think of the traveling seers, uh, the the wise men who came, uh, the magi who came uh, later centuries, centuries later, to uh, follow the star to see. Uh, to see the new, this new king that had been born in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about maybe these were uh, magi, these were men who tried to know about God and religion and follow the stars and all. And maybe, who knows, maybe they knew about, maybe Job was a well-known follower after God, like Daniel maybe or something, and they came to visit him on a pro- kind of a professional basis well, or something. Well, may I, I suggest that if Israel... What do you think? If Israel should have some sufferings today, I think that several people from those particular groups of other friends, we'll say friends, would come to watch. To gloat. Well, yeah, I'm going to suggest that. Now, I'm not saying it's right, but I've read different commentaries and different thoughts throughout the ages of what all this means. Uh But what's fascinating to me is, and we accept the Bible as the Bible, what inter is interesting is Job loses his home, his friends, everything. And then somebody says, and look at you. We've lost our kids, our property, and look at you. you got boils. Uh, so, but this is one of the interesting things. And then we, the thing that's most hardest to understand, at the end he has children. And gets wealth back. Yeah, his family is, he, in a sense, replaced. He, well, he well I think we got to be careful with the word replaced because you can never replace a child. Right. Actually, earlier tonight, I got a phone call from somebody. I get that. And they were suggesting, they said, gee, you know, and they mentioned this. And I because said, what you doing tonight? And I said, Job. Anyway, so. Um, yeah, I didn't mean, I, I know what you mean. I'm sensitive to that as well. Yeah, yeah. But, but he, he, he was given another family, another, right. well, other okay. children to now, love. Okay, now I want to tell you two, two stories. And I suggested to them this. Out of the Holocaust and World War II in Germany and the concentration camps, people, there were, I actually have seen films because at the Holocaust Museum in Washington, and people had come together, and they had lost all their family members. This one woman actually met a guy, and she didn't love him, but she married him. 
And she's saying, and she's saying this years uh, on the tape, and years later, she said, it took me 10 years to really love him. But she said, he was alone. All his family was dead. I was alone. All my family was dead. So we needed each other, so we married each other. And they stayed married for 40 years. And she said, I didn't learn to love until for 10 years, but they stayed together. <laughs> now, I will tell my you a real still working on that, I want to tell you a real story that really happened. There was a rabbi, and he had a wife and 12 children in the concentration camps. His wife and 12 children died. He lived through it. He went to Israel. He, I think he died just a, a few years ago. At any rate, he, how could a guy survive that? You couldn't. Your wife and 12 children. He went to Israel, and he remarried, and he stayed a rabbi in Israel and had nine more children. Did those nine replace the 12? Of course not. But here is the key, and if you listen to any really Holocaust survivors, they will tell you, how do you go on? And they will give you the answer, and I think this is the answer hidden in Job. It's that you have a choice to make. You choose to live or you choose to die. And you and these people chose to live. They made a conscious decision to live. And one of the reasons is a, what you might appreciate as a spiritual or religious reason. Would you like to know why? Yes, yes. I, I thought you would. And it's because God said that you shall do this. And it says you shall you shall serve God. And if you cannot serve God, if you're dead. So it's one of the commandments you must live in order to serve God. Well, I mean, I, uh, here's, here's my response to what you just said. These... Friends, quote unquote, friends come, mm-hmm. and I think one of my most basic human, and I would say spiritual, as, as someone who's attempting to follow God and love people, one of the things I react against in the in this book of Job mm-hmm. is that these three friends come to this this person who is suffering, mm-hmm. who is going through terrible difficulty and trial, and they transform his personal tragedy and his sensitivities and his struggle, they stro- they transform it into a theological arg- argument. And I just don't like that. I, 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 I mean, I understand how you want to bring genuine, if you know spiritual truths that can be a comfort, that can be an encouragement, that can lift a person, then I can understand trying to share those. But like you say, it seems like these guys were, they were just really there to pile on or to gloat or to, and I don't like the idea of this, his personal struggle, his personal uh, uh, tragedy and strife being turned into a, what, a 39 chapter, a 42 chapters of, of argument, you know, theological arguments and doctrinal arguments. I, it just didn't seem like the right tone that friends would take up with uh, with a friend, a genuine friend who is struggling. So uh, I'm, right off the bat, I would say that. Now, Do you know what line I really uh, expresses good. exactly what you're saying? Do you know what line I really like in Job that expresses what you just said? <laughs> what? It's in 1922, and the English captures it so well. These three friends that are coming to, quote-unquote, console Job, 
and they start saying all these horrible things. You really are a sinner. Look what you did to your kids. You just can't you can't see the whole big picture. It all fits together for the best. Uh-huh. It's like actually a lot of theological arguments that are made in religious churches, even in America today. But the answer that captures what you said is in Job 19:22. And I don't know how your version translates it, but a lot of the English versions actually capture it so well. This is Job speaking, right? Job speaking. And he says to these guys, aren't you satisfied with my flesh? Must you persecute me like God? In other words, he's saying, look at the horrible stuff I'm physically going through. And the only thing I got left is my spirit. And you're trying to kill my spirit too? You're putting yourself in a place of God, and the line is, aren't you satisfied with my flesh? Must you kill me or persecute me like God? And look what he goes on to say right after that, uh, which I find this, this is really the astounding thing about Job and his faith. In the first place, he says, oh, that my words could be recorded. Oh, that they could be inscribed in a monument, written down, carved with an iron chisel, and filled with lead, engraved forever in the rock. And what do we have here in the scriptures? We have his words recorded. I think that's that's a wonderful answer to his prayer immediately. But then he says, but as for me, I know, I'm confident that my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body, I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at the thought. What a Powerful statement of faith in in the in the face of and in, 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 okay. in spite of Since the discouraging up, comments of his friends. Yeah, but let's take a look. Job is saying, God will not kill me. He can't kill me for being a sinner. Do you know why? Because God is just. And if he's killing me for being a sinner, God would be wrong because I did not sin. Now, and we that know that's is a, true. That is a very hard sentence for a lot of people in our modern world to take because Job is actually, in the stuff you're quoting, he's actually saying, look, uh, I, if God kills me, he'll have to face me. And he don't want to kill me because then he'll have to face me and I'll say to God, hey, I didn't sin. You were unjust. So he can't kill me. In that circumstances. Yeah, I, I, I might differ a bit there. I don't think Job is claiming in his, of course, in his in this situation, I don't claim, think he claims sinless perfection. I think what he's claiming is that my sin, I did not sin in a way that led to this series of consequences, these events in my life. I didn't, he doesn't claim that he's sinless perfect. Uh, he does admit to sin and to needing God. In fact, is even there, he admits to needing a redeemer. Uh, only a sinner needs a redeemer. And well, so he's, and, he's and not, in this instance, we have to admit this is the oldest book in the Bible. Yeah. So we're forced because of the time period that his redeemer, as he construes it, is God Himself. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, and he has faith. He trusts. He knows that. Oh, oh I agree, a hundred percent with that. Well, uh, in light of this, let's answer some of these questions. Yeah, let's go ahead. In light of Job's suffering, who was it that told Job Job to? Go ahead and curse God and die. That kind of relates to what you... He had two choices, to die or to choose life. And this person told him to go ahead and die. Just curse God and die. And under, I mean, it may surprise you a lot to know that that was his wife, actually. Chapter 2, verse 9, his wife uh, counsels him to just go on and die. I, I, 
I don't know. Some people have postulated that maybe his wife was another another one of the trials, another one of the Job's struggles was having to put up with an unsupportive and uh, you know a, a wife well, that didn't encourage him. But I, I don't would know. like to suggest a different take. Okay, my take I knew is, you would. Yes, my take is a loving, caring, sympathetic wife that says you're in so much pain. Yeah, just die. I see that as a possibility. Yeah. So if this was living in our era, if they lived in the state of Oregon where you had state-sponsored uh, or protected, uh, what is it, uh, 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 when you commit suicide, uh, mercy killing, they might have uh, he might have done it. I don't know if they lived in that era. But he did not take her counsel. What is the first test of Job's faith that is mentioned in chapter 1, verse 12? And we've mentioned already it was to take his possessions his herds, his farmhands, his sheep and shepherds, uh, camels and servants, house and ten children. So first we're taking his possessions. Okay. Let's, let's quickly get those Corinthian questions okay, answered. Okay, good. According to 1 Corinthians 13, I, uh, I think Michael already answered this question, what is superior to all the spiritual gifts and should be our highest goal as God's people, and that is to love others unconditionally, to pour out our lives in benefit of others in the name of the Lord, and to love the Lord in that way as well. This special agape love, love, uh, unconditional love. So if Jesus was not resurrected, according to Paul in chapter 15, verses 14 through 19, if Jesus was not resurrected from the dead, what value, what value does Christianity have? According to Paul, it says our, our faith is in vain. It's it's groundless. It's nothing new at all. It brings nothing new to the table, uh, at all. If Jesus was not who he claimed to be, the Messiah, and, and rose from the dead, and then finally, what is going to happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown? I'll let you take that one and give some of your comments. I, I've actually read and I've heard lots of preachers and lots of people, different people, interpret what the last trumpet is. I've heard it saying, oh, in fact, just today on this station, I heard a preacher preaching and saying, oh, that has to do with uh, uh, the Feast of Trumpets, the last trumpet born. Uh, and I don't think so. I think it has to do with uh, Mount Sinai. Huh. That was the first one, and the last one will be when God returns, just like you did at Mount Sinai. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping all right, the sound of the trumpet like that, the sounding of the shofar. Thank you, folks, for joining us. We'll be back next Sunday evening. See you then. That's Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Sophie every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.